I have not coordinated this statement or reviewed it in any way with the Department of Justice or any other part of the government. They do not know what I'm about to say. Suspense. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast, as heard on 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, the Green Renaissance Network. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And of course, streaming coast to coast and around the globe on the on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Nashville, Detour Talk in East Tennessee, Radio Monterey, and Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week on Radio Sputnik. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. I hope you, uh, as I did, had a uh, had a nice break over the Independence Day weekend, over the uh, over the Fourth of July. My great thanks to Angie Coiro of In Deep Radio for helping us to extend our much-needed holiday break just a little bit longer. Uh, for uh, with by filling in for us while we were gone. Thank you very much, Angie. Greatly appreciated. Uh, and I hope Desi Doyen that you too had a uh, had a, a lovely and restful Fourth of July. Yes, and it was lovely to hear Angie's show. She did a great job. I agree, she did. Uh, so what did uh, what did you miss over the Fourth of July break? What did I miss for that matter? Well, a bunch of stuff. We got a lot of stuff to catch up with today, and a lot of news going on, breaking even as we speak. Uh, today, tonight, whenever you may be tuning in. First on uh, Brexit, a piece that I wanted to make sure that we picked up. Uh, after successfully leading up, leading the uh, uh, Leave campaign on behalf of the UK's Conservative Party, former London mayor and member of Parliament Boris Johnson, who had been thought likely to be the next British prime minister, perhaps, uh, after David Cameron announced his resignation following his unsuccessful call to remain in the European Union, Boris Johnson says, uh, yeah, no thanks, I don't want the job after all. Uh, leaving the UK an absolute shock. Boris Johnson said, thanks for the vote, suckers, but I ain't cleaning up this mess. That was Boris Johnson late last week. He bowed out. Uh, and uh, then on Monday, now over the holiday, Nigel Farage, the head of the UK Independent Party, UKIP, as they call it out there, I believe, uh, they had led the charge for the uh, for independence via the Leave campaign. The uh, Independent Party did. Nigel Farage announced on Monday he was resigning. <laughs> 
He was uh, he was faced with criticism the day after the vote, uh, the day after the results came in, after he said that it was a, quote, mistake to promise some 350 pounds a week, I think it was, that would be sent to the UK's National Health Service, the NHS, instead of to the European Union. That was one of the promises. That was one of the things that they predicated this entire vote on. And then he said, yeah, that was that was probably a mistake to make that promise. That's not going to happen. That uh, enraged a lot of folks out there in the UK. That was a big, broken promise for which he had then been pilloried ever since. And so now he said, OK, I'm resigning. So these <laughs> oh people who won, pretty much the loudest folks uh, who, who had you know dropped the leave turd in the European punch bowl, have now all said, I'm out of here, suckers. See, uh, well, see, I had a different metaphor. Mine was uh, that that basically the Leave campaign filled this bag of poo and set it on fire. It, <laughs> uh, it, it won. Is that necessary? Elections have consequences. Have they to tried to that? hand it to Prime Minister yes. Cameron. Yeah, Cameron said, I don't want this flaming bag of poo. Right, exactly. And he tried to hand it to Boris Johnson. Now Boris Johnson has said no. He tried to hand it to Nigel Farage. Now the flaming bag of poo that was All in Nigel right, Farage's with hand. your scatological <laughs> references, there will be no more of those in today's program Maybe. We'll see. Uh, But that is absolutely right. Nobody wants to touch this hot potato. See what I did there? See what I did? Uh, They they want nothing to do with it now that it's done. So, you know, good luck with that, suckers. Uh, Vote for my far right nationalist agenda. And once you do, see you later. I'm out of here. Take that for whatever it's worth. Keep that in mind as we move forward with today's program and this year's presidential election in this country. Meanwhile, a terrorist bombing in Iraq at a busy shopping area in Baghdad has now killed at least 222 people. At latest count, Uh, haven't seen the kind of reaction because, oh, you know, it's Iraq. So we haven't seen the same kind of reaction that we've seen when similar bombings have taken place. Uh, Terrorist attacks in Brussels and Paris, uh, even in Turkey and uh, Istanbul just a few days ago. But 222 killed as we go to air here in uh, in Baghdad. Uh, Hundreds more have been injured in this. The 13th year, 13th year of the war. That the U.S. initially began all the way back in uh, 2003 uh, under completely false, under knowingly false uh, pretenses at the time. Uh, And also over our short holiday break in Saudi Arabia, three different similar, uh, well, smaller in any event, smaller explosive attacks on Monday in Saudi Arabia said to have been carried out by Islamic State terrorists. That has shaken the Saudi kingdom. The three attacks were near a U.S. consulate in Jeddah, a mosque frequented by uh, Shiite worshippers in, uh, in, in the Eastern District, and at a security center in one of Islam's holiest sites, the historic city of Medina, where four security guards were killed and five more were injured. According to The Washington Post's Carol Morello and Joby Warwick, ISIS has now struck on four continents since the start of this year. The attacks of the past few days, they write, suggest that uh, militant actions beyond the caliphate's borders are taking place more frequently and not necessarily with any overt direction from some caliphate headquarters. Even more alarmingly, they report a growing number of attacks, starting with those in Paris and Brussels, were conducted by gangs of assailants instead of by an individual gunman. 
U.S. intelligence officials say battlefield setbacks in Iraq and Syria appear to have driven the Islamic State's leaders to speed up their timeline for attacks abroad. Increasingly, the idea of the Islamic State rather than the group's control of any territory that has uh, that has taken on greater significance. So. Uh, the more we do attack, the more the, the, the fight continues against ISIS in uh, in the Middle East, uh, the, the more attacks I guess we can expect. I, I don't know how you, uh, you know, carry out these wars and not expect there to be blowback. I mean, ISIS itself is blowback for our war in Iraq uh, about 13 years ago. <sighs> Uh, which is exactly as, uh, by the way, as U.S. officials had warned, D- U.S. officials like Dick Cheney, who about a decade earlier said, no, we don't want to go into Baghdad in that first Persian Gulf War because it would unlock exactly what we are seeing now. It's too bad Vice President Dick Cheney didn't listen to uh, Secretary, Secretary of Defense Dick Cheney Yeah, 10 years earlier. So uh, that mess continues. Back here at home. Presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton was questioned by the FBI over the weekend as part of the federal probe into her use of a private email server while serving as Secretary of State under President Barack Obama. The interview reportedly lasted some three and a half hours. On Tuesday, however, the big question about whether Hillary Clinton might be indicted for something pertaining to all of this. And it was never actually clear what precisely she would be indicted for, though that didn't stop her political opponents like Donald Trump and supporters of Bernie Sanders from declaring that it would happen, that she would, in fact, be indicted. In any event, the question around the possibility of an indictment now seems to have been uh, unequivocally taken off of the table or at least answered today in an announcement by FBI director and former George W. Bush appointee James Comey. Now, Comey, he's now appointed. uh, He's been uh, appointed by President Obama as director of the FBI He has said at a press conference on Tuesday that while there were certainly some mishandled emails, classified and top secret material that were sent by Clinton or to Clinton while she served as secretary of state, none of it was marked as such when it was sent. And in any event, the FBI concluded after its year long investigation that unlike in other cases, that uh, he was looking for where where classified material was intentionally shared inappropriately with someone. There appeared to be no such intention by Clinton in this matter. Here's James Comey on Tuesday. In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. To the contrary, 
Those individuals are often subject to security or administrative sanctions, but that's not what we're deciding now. As a result, although the Department of Justice makes final decisions on matters like this, we are expressing to justice our view that no charges are appropriate in this case. I know there will be intense public debate in the wake of this recommendation as there was throughout the investigation. What I can assure the American people is that this investigation was done honestly, competently, and independently. No outside influence of any kind was brought to bear. That was James Comey, FBI director, uh, today saying that uh, they are not recommending charges or an indictment against Sec former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, now presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, saying that although the Department of Justice will make the final decisions on matters like this, we are expressing to justice our view that no charges are appropriate in this case. And as far as justice goes, Attorney General Loretta Lynch has already said she would leave the decision up to the FBI. That announcement made after she had her private meeting on an airplane at a on, or on, on the, the tarmac, tarmac yes. yeah, at an airport uh, just a few days ago with Bill Clinton, who decided to walk onto her plane and say hello. And of course, they all say we talked about nothing but uh, grandchildren and. How nice the world is. Uh, but in any event, she, I think, did the right thing by saying, OK, I'm taking myself out of this matter. Whatever it is that the FBI ends up recommending is what we will go with, whether it's an indictment, whether it's no indictment. I should also add, you know, in this case, uh, you know, given what happened to David Petraeus when he was the head of the CIA and he purposely shared uh, documents that were of far, far higher classified nature, purposely shared them knowing that it was wrong with a journalist who was writing a book about him. Uh, he got off with a slap on the wrist, by and large, uh, and uh, you know, a fine, uh, no jail time, I guess probation. He lost his job uh, as uh, as head of the CIA, but he's, he's much lauded by Republicans even to this day. And uh, he went on to, I can't remember where the job is, some think tank or another. So he didn't pay that big a price. And what he did was far, far worse than really even the worst thing that we know about Hillary Clinton <clears throat> and her emails. So the question is, even if they were going to punish her, what kind of punishment could they possibly give her after the guy who did far, far worse, David Petraeus, got off with a slap on the wrist like that? So, uh, you know, no real surprise here, at least as far as I'm concerned. I know that a lot of the Sanders uh, supporters over the months have said, oh, it's terrible what she did. She's going to be indicted. It's for sure. That's why you have to <clears throat> nominate uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, but I was never overly uh, impressed with the case that was being made. Now, there are some concerns, or I, and I suspect there will continue to be concerns, about her relationship uh, with the Clinton Foundation and uh, actions that were taken on behalf of various uh, donors to the foundation, various countries to the donation, along with decisions that were made on behalf of those uh, those various countries by the State Department when she was a Secretary of State there. Those investigations, I suspect, will continue, but uh, nothing appears to have come out of them from this uh, from this FBI in uh, investigation. In any case, that was <clears throat> that was brought after an inspector general looked at the situation and said there were and said that there were some concerns. 
and in fact, uh, one of the inspector general's reports, I think from the State Department itself, said that, yes, she has violated some of the rules that were put in place to enforce the Federal Records Act, that she should have kept all of these emails. So she violated those rules, if not necessarily the law itself, the the the, the Federal Records okay, Act. OK, so so basically the summing is violated rules for mishandling emails, not violated the law. Well, that's what the inspector general uh, seems to conclude. And what Comey seems to be saying as well. And those violations of the rules then were you know, led to what could be interpreted as a violation of the federal law, the, the Federal Records Act. But in this case, the FBI did not agree. Now, of course, the FBI has been, you know, James Comey is appointed by uh, uh, Barack Obama. Barack Obama is clearly a big supporter of Hillary Clinton. So people will say what they will say. But that is where we are. And as far as an indictment go, uh, you know, happening before the upcoming Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia at the end of this month, that appears to no longer be on the table. Got it? All right. Meanwhile, speaking of Barack Obama and uh, being a supporter of Hillary Clinton's, uh, his popularity is now at some 56 percent nationally, according to a number of polls. That is as high as it has been since he announced the capture and kill of Osama bin Laden. What was that, five years ago or so? I think it was 2011, if I recall. Uh, he is now, Barack Obama is now finally campaigning with Hillary Clinton. His initial plan to hit the, uh, to hit the stump with the presumptive Democratic nominee in Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago, that was scotched after the Orlando nightclub massacre. But the pair finally campaigned on Tuesday and uh, in their first joint appearance. This was in Charlotte, North Carolina earlier today. That state, of course, is a crucial swing state. It was narrowly won by uh, President Obama in 2008 in his first run. It, uh, it went Democratic at that time for the first time in decades. Then in 2012, as Obama's popularity was then waning, he lost the state of North Carolina. So they are having it out. Democrats are having it out uh, in North Carolina. Uh, both Hillary and President Obama spoke at a rally today. Hillary Clinton, for her part, uh, spoke about Donald Trump uh, and once again uh, underscoring her belief that he is unbelievably unqualified for the job. Can you imagine him sitting in the Oval Office the next time America faces a crisis? The world hangs on every word our president says, and Donald Trump is simply unqualified and temperamentally unfit to be our president and commander in chief. Speaking of unqualified, Hillary Clinton also said during that speech uh, that uh, what did you if this was 17? Well, we have it yeah, here, here we go. Uh, that uh, our founders, when our country was founded, uh, she would not have been considered qualified, neither would President Obama. Just think about those early patriots who met in Philadelphia that hot summer of 1776. They knew we would all rise or fall together. Now, nobody who looked like Barack Obama or me 
would have been included back then, but we're here today because the story of America is the story of hard-fought, hard-won progress. Hillary Clinton in Charlotte, North Carolina today, along with President Obama, who uh, once again re uh, uh, re-endorsed her. I, he had endorsed her in a in a video a couple of weeks ago, but this was his first chance, I guess, to do it out there on uh, on the stump. Here's a little bit a little bit of the president in Charlotte with uh, with Hillary Clinton. Nobody actually knows the job until you're sitting behind the desk. Everybody can tweet, but nobody actually knows what it takes to do the job until you sat behind the desk. So you can't fully understand what it means to make life and death decisions until you've done it. But I can tell you this. Hillary Clinton has been tested. She has participated in the meetings in which those decisions have been made. And there has never been any man or woman more qualified for this office than Hillary Clinton, ever. So the bottom line is, I know Hillary can do the job. And that's why I am so proud, North Carolina, to endorse Hillary Clinton as the next president of the United States. Barack Obama in Charlotte on Tuesday uh, declaring Hillary Clinton the most qualified man or woman to ever uh, hold the, well, to ever run, I guess, for the office of, uh, of president. Now that uh, Obama's popularity is back up, Democrats like Hillary Clinton, uh, but also in a bunch of Senate races and House races and so forth, they are now eager to grab onto his coattails, unlike uh, back in, uh, in, in 2012. And uh, so they are looking forward to stumping with him when possible this time around. But even that, even that is uh, with a very popular president now, even that is working a bit less well against Donald Trump than you might think, than Democrats certainly think, than progressives think. Washington Post observes today that a recent survey of the uh, of the state of North Carolina conducted by public policy polling, a Democratic firm in Raleigh, found that Trump was leading Clint in the state uh, Clinton in the state by just two points, by two points, 48 percent to 46 percent in a head to head matchup. The same poll asked voters whether they'd uh, whether they'd prefer to have Trump or Barack Obama as president. And guess what? Obama won uh, in that poll, narrowly edging out Trump by just a single percentage point. Wow. 49 to 48, uh, which uh, the pollsters note uh, both figures were within the margin of error. We've talked about this a lot on this program, how, you know, people are regarding Donald Trump. Democrats, progressives are regarding Donald Trump as a joke. He's hysterical. Look what he did today. Look what he said here. Look what he tweeted there. Uh, I remain concerned. I think I remain uh, more concerned than much of America, uh, you know, about the, the possibility that Donald Trump could win. And now we have yet another poll. We've been going through these polls as they come out. Uh, and we have uh, yet another poll that came out uh, was this Monday, came out on Monday, 
Uh, over the holiday, Hillary Clinton's lead over Donald Trump has now narrowed to single digits in a new national poll. Clinton tops her likely general election rival by five points in the USA Today Suffolk University poll. This was released on uh, on Monday, July 4th, two months ago. Clinton led the uh, led the businessman, according to The Hill, by double digits, 50 to 39 percent in that very same poll. If you include the uh, libertarian nominee Gary Johnson and Green Party candidate Jill Stein as potential options in that race, um, Clinton's lead over Trump drops to just four points, 39 percent to 35 percent. So she's up by five in a head-to-head match. She's uh, up by only four if you include the uh, the Libertarian and Green Party candidates. Monday's poll comes as both Clinton and Trump have solidified their standing as their party's presumptive nominees, uh, despite their in-the-red favorability ratings. That's right. Remember, this was supposed to be once it became clear that Hillary was definitely going to get the nomination. Uh, voters were going to rally around her. Bernie Sanders supporters were going to rally around her. And in fact, they are. And yet she is still up by only four or five points nationally over Donald Trump. Uh, 53%, according to this poll, 53% have an unfavorable opinion of Hillary Clinton. That's terrible. 60% have an unfavorable unfavorable opinion of Donald Trump. That is even worse. Uh, and one in five, or roughly 20%, have a negative opinion of both candidates, according to the poll. Man, we rock here in America, don't we? <laughs> we nominate the best people. David Paleology, uh, Pale, well, the director of the Suffolk University uh, Political Research Center, uh, told USA Today that uh, voters who have a negative opinion of Clinton and Trump could end up, quote, holding their noses and picking one of them or opting for a third party option or staying home come November. According to the poll, 61 percent of likely voters feel, quote, alarmed about the election. 23% are excited. Who are they? Who's excited about this election? And another 9% say they are, quote, bored. Uh, the real clear politics average right now of the general election polling between uh, uh, Clinton and Trump has Clinton leading Trump nationally. This is an average of all of the recent polls. Clinton leads Trump nationally by just four and a half percentage points. What could possibly go wrong? We'll find out what could possibly go wrong uh, after we take a quick break here and come back and talk about this and much more on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Good to be with you. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. <laughs> You close your eyes. Does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? Yeah. And if you close your eyes. Kind of 
does feel like that. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Catching up on uh, a few items over the past uh, few days, over the holiday uh, weekend and beyond. Uh, we, we spoke last week uh, with my colleague and friend John Weiner, uh, history professor, contributing editor over at The Nation, host of uh, the long-running uh, uh, 4 o'clock report on, uh, on KPFK, our flagship station out here in Los Angeles on Pacifica Radio. Uh, John detailed his argument when we, when we talked for the math as far as why Donald Trump simply can't win. I think that was the, the headline of the article over at The Nation. Relax, Donald Trump can't win. Uh, that, uh, he said, was based on a support or lack thereof from minorities and women uh, and the fact that Republicans tend to always vote Republican. Democrats always tend to vote Democratic. So things are pretty stable, and people who know this stuff are able to look at uh, look at the numbers and say, no, it's impossible. Donald Trump would have to come up with at least as many voters as Mitt Romney, who lost by about five million votes. We'd so have to come up with that many voters plus another five million, at least according to John's argument, at least according to the math. Now, of course, the people who have, who are so smart about math, uh, Nate Silver over at uh, what is it called? Five. 537, 538, 538, whatever it is, 538. <laughs> um, you know, he also is so smart that he said Donald Trump couldn't possibly win the Republican nomination. And he was wrong. So uh, these are the arguments about the math. The math seems like it's sound, except that doesn't take into account a whole bunch of things. So setting aside the difficulty that Donald Trump is going to have getting minorities, getting women, um, you know, the fact that uh, the argument, at least, that uh, John Wiener made that he cannot win in many of the uh, the classic swing states and therefore he can still not possibly win the presidency. With that as his argument, needless to say, I disagree with my friend John's optimism there. And I offered uh, just some of my reasons why I disagree with him uh, during that show. But, you know, go back and listen to his case. Uh, some of my concern, uh, my worries, some of the reasons I don't agree with him is because of the possibility of one thing, how the country might react uh, in the case of a very bad terrorist attack here. Or it's possible that Trump could somehow become a better, more disciplined candidate between now and November. I know that seems unlikely, but it could happen. And in fact, we saw a little bit of that last week during a speech that uh, Trump made attacking Hillary Clinton, in which he stuck to the uh, to the teleprompter. He made a calm, reasoned, compelling case full of lies and utter nonsense, but he delivered it well. And uh, America seems to, uh, well, you know, we've lived through a, an election or two where the candidate has put out nothing but lies and nonsense and America fell for it. So could they fall for it again here? But also, I know how fragile the electoral system is and how, how easy it is to game. Uh, I know how much voter suppression will play a part in the results this year. So no matter what the math is going in, none of that math really takes into account voter suppression. On the way in, the ability of people to vote this year, the first in, in 50 years that we will not have the, fo the, 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 the full force of the Voting Rights Act to protect voters. Since the uh, Voting Rights Act was gutted three years ago by the U.S. Supreme Court, I also know how easy it is to game our vote, uh, our vote casting and counting system. 
More details perhaps on, on, on that later. We've been talking about it a lot this year. And while I, I disagree with a lot of my uh, uh, friends who are in the, uh, you know, who are Sanders supporters who believe the election was stolen, I tend to, uh, I report evidence based on facts and data and stuff that is provable and independently verifiable. And so far I see, I have not seen any evidence that Hillary Clinton, at least, or that the DNC, at least, stole the election from Bernie Sanders. But a lot of people are noticing just how brittle our electoral system is, how easy it is to game it and uh, and get away with it because it is so difficult to oversee the electoral process and the counting and, and everything else. But in any event, with that, with all of that in mind that I've been keeping in mind this entire primary season for now, it seems I'm, I'm still one of the few folks out there taking Trump's candidacy very, very seriously. I'm also one of the few folks who took it seriously from day one, as longtime broadcast listeners will remember when he came on the scene. I continue to be alarmed by this guy and the possibility that, yes, he will could actually win the presidency in November. Now, I guess I always have to say I, I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I'm not out there rooting for Hillary Clinton, but I am looking at Donald Trump and uh, very concerned about his ability to be named the winner of the uh, of the of the presidency, whether he actually won or not. Yes, in this country, we have a history, a recent history of giving the uh, giving the election away to someone who did not necessarily win. Another person who is uh, who is also uh, taking Trump's candidacy very, very seriously, and I'm glad to see it because he has a bigger platform than me. Former environmental activist turned Obama administration green energy czar. Is that what they called him? Yeah, Desi that's doing? what they did. Uh, now turned CNN commentator Van Jones. Now, he participated in a conference call late last week, just before the holiday break. Uh, with DFA, which is Democracy for America. It used to be Dean for America. This is an activist and organizing group that had formed out of the Howard Dean campaign back in 2004. Um, Van Jones has also been running around with his hair on fire. Well, he's bald, so uh, but you get the point. Uh, about the danger of someone like Donald Trump as the GOP nominee and the possibility that he could, in fact, win and become president of the United States. No kidding. This is not a joke. This is not a, a, a drill, as so many see it. This is not a, a test. This is for real. And Democrats ought to start regarding it as such. That's my belief. And apparently that's Van Jones' uh, belief. I want to play an extended excerpt from that call after a, a participant in the in the Q&A session had asked Van Jones about whether Democrats and progressives are taking the possibility of a Donald Trump presidency seriously enough. Here's uh, here's part of Van Jones response. Um, I, I want to be very clear. Um, Donald Trump not only can be elected president, uh, by my reading, he is likely to become the president of the United States. Um, and you should be horrified at that. Let me just walk through. Everybody keeps, oh, well, no, there's no way. He can't win. He's a joke. He's going to blow himself up. Nobody, his policies are terrible. Um, you know, his hair is bad. Um, it's just all this stuff. And it's complete garbage. Um, first of all, let's just be very clear. Celebrities tend to win elections in the United States. Let's just, you know, Jesse Ventura came up seven points uh, the, the day of and became uh, governor in Minnesota. Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, 
destroy uh, the entire uh, field uh, twice, uh, not because he was you know, particularly you know, well-versed in policy. He, remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger, if he was from California, um, you know, you'd ask Arnold Schwarzenegger a question, what are you going to do about tax policy? He'd say, I love California. And then you'd say, well, okay, well, what about education policy? I love California. And he became the governor. So please don't underestimate that, number one. Number two, um, he's, he has not spent any money. He's had a terrible three and now four weeks. Hillary Clinton has been running a great campaign, you know, technically. Uh, she's spending money. And they are neck and neck in the swing states today. Neck and neck in the swing states. So what will happen if he actually spends money and, you know, it sticks to his core theme of you know, trade and immigration and Hillary's corruption? Uh, you can imagine a scenario in which uh, they're neck and neck, and then like most celebrities, he kicks up a point or two or three or four or five. There are black swan events that can happen. If you have a major terrorist attack, not just a shoot em up kind, but a, a, you know, an even bigger kind, if you have an economic recession, if it turns out that Putin has Hillary Clinton's server, there are all kinds of things that can happen in the mix here that would make it very, very hard. And yet, Democrats and progressives are fighting less hard against Donald Trump than they fought against Romney. Now, at least Romney wasn't a psychopath. At least Romney wasn't a bigot. I mean, Romney just shouldn't have been president of the United States, but people fought passionately to stop Romney, and people are being lackadaisical about stopping Trump. People say, well, there's no, there's no way, Van, the math doesn't work out. What are you talking about? You know, you know, he's pissed off all the Latinos. He can't possibly win. Okay, fine. What does that actually take off the board um, from the mathematical point of view? It takes Florida off the board. That's a big deal. It takes Nevada off the board. That's a big deal. It takes Colorado off the board. Those are big, big deals, swing states. But losing the Sun Belt does not mean he can't win the presidency because he can still run right up the Rust Belt. Uh, if he loses Florida, Colorado, and Nevada, but he wins Virginia and North Carolina, and there's no reason that he can't win Virginia and North Carolina, and then he goes up to Ohio, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, the Rust Belt, and uniquely among Republicans, goes up there and says, NAFTA took your jobs away. Hillary Clinton's uh, husband and Hillary Clinton were for NAFTA. I'm going to tear NAFTA up, number one. Number two, I'm going to seal the border so the jobs that come back, you can get them, and these, these other folks can't get them. And number three, too many of y'all black folk up here in here have been poor too long. I'm rich, give me a chance. If you don't think that a message like that could break through, in the Rust Belt, all three of those states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Ohio, either have or have had Republican governors recently. All of them. All of them are in horrible economic shape. All of them. And all of them know NAFTA and equals Clinton and Clinton equals NAFTA. All of them. So we're sitting here laughing and chuckling and making little jokes and retweeting little funnies. And there is a gun aimed at the head of the American people and our future. Because anybody that tells you that Trump would not be any worse than Hillary Clinton, you, you tell that to a Muslim kid, tell that to a Mexican-American family, number one. Where's our obligation for solidarity? But much more importantly, you've never had an election like this ever. Never, not one time ever, has on one day the presidency 
all three branches of government. The presidency is on the line on one day in November. The Senate is on the line in one day in November. The House is on the line in one day in November. And because of the state of the Supreme Court, explicitly now, the state of the Supreme Court is on the line in one day in November. All three branches of government up for grabs, plus the character of the country. How can you raise children in America with Trump as president? How can you tell children not to be bullies, not to be mean-spirited, not to make fun of people when the president of the United States got to be elected by doing that? How can you tell children not to be bigots, not to, to judge people by the color of their skin or how they pray or, who, or, or what they look like when the president of the United States got to the highest office in the land doing exactly that? You have the entire character, and if he wins, please be clear. He may not do all the crazy stuff that he said he's going to do, but he's going to try to do a bunch of it, and you, don't, and you will have a Republican Congress that will get in bed with him, and you will have a bad bill every week coming down the pike. And there's not one thing you're going to be able to do but to protest and try to stop bad bill after bad bill after bad bill for four years. All forward progress will come to a stop. Minimally, all forward progress will come to a stop. And you will have one of the most vindictive, psychopathic leaders on planet Earth with the IRS in his hands, day one, the FBI in his hands, day one, the CIA, the NSA, the Pentagon in his hands, day one. This is a man who will not allow a silent protest from a single Muslim woman who just stood up silently with a sign that said, we come in peace. That's all she did. Don't talk about the, the disruptions. The first thing that happened at a Trump rally, don't forget this, an individual Muslim woman stood up holding quietly a sign that says, we come in peace. He had her thrown out, and they yelled and cursed at her and, and threw all kind of uh, vitriol at a single, but he, this brooks no dissent, and he will have all of those agencies in his back pocket the day one before he goes to Congress to give you a horror show for the Supreme Court and rolls back Obamacare and everything else. So I say this to say, I am shocked at the complacency and smugness of the left. This is, for the first time in your life, you have a true right-wing populist demagogue with the nomination of a major party going for power on the basis of some economic populism, which you may like, but racial demagoguery, which should terrify you, and we have not been fighting back, and we are not preparing our people to fight back. And Brexit shows you that crazy ideas can break through if there's a mix of some good stuff and some racial demagoguery and smugness on the part of liberals who sit down while the crazy stand up. You can get Brexit, and you can get Donald Trump. You can get uh, Brexit and you can get Donald Trump. That was Van Jones, a former Obama administration uh, official for about six months, I think, before he was uh, pushed out by uh, by the Obama administration because they were afraid of what Glenn Beck was going to say about him. Some kind of nonsense years ago. In any event, uh, on a DFA, uh, a, a Democracy for America conference call late last week warning that as of now he says trump he believes is likely to win the presidency thanks in no smart uh, no small part to the uh, to the complacency and smugness of the left in response to his candidacy 
I, you know, I'm glad he made that case. It sounded a hell of a lot like the case that I've been trying to make here on on this program and at Bradblog.com now for many, many months. Uh, yes, I am troubled by it. Now, he went on to say in, in response to a, another caller uh, about people who did not like Hillary Clinton and so forth, he went on to say, I think the, the phrase he used was, pick your pinata. He said, you know, because he's no fan, by the way, either of Hillary Clinton, but he has said that, you know, if she's in office... You got a shot. You got a shot to influence her, to hold her feet to the fire. You'll have uh, Elizabeth Warren, presuming she's not the uh, vice presidential candidate, Elizabeth Warren in the Senate, uh, you know, trying to hold her feet to the fire. You'll be able to get your people, your progressive agenda, uh, you know, into that White House. You'll, you'll be able to get her ear. You will not be able to get that ear in the event that Donald Trump somehow becomes president of the United States. So he says, pick your pinata. Who would you like to beat up on? Would you like to stand uh, screaming from the outside to Donald Trump, who will pay you no mind, progressives and Democrats? Uh, or would you like to you know, hold someone's feet to the fire like uh, Hillary Clinton, who uh, would be concerned about her reelection possibilities if she does not speak to the progressive base? So... All I can do is keep uh, putting out the warnings. Uh, and, uh, boy, I hope I'm wrong. I hope, uh, what, where are we now, seven, eight months away? People say, God, Brad, you got us all worked up for nothing. Hillary Clinton uh, ended up winning. It was a landslide. Now we can go hold her feet to the fire. That sounds good to me. Um, why were you worrying us, Brad? Well, there are reasons to worry. And so I hope that uh, I hope Democrats and progressives are paying attention, if not to me, then at least to Van Jones. All right. Quick break and uh, more news catching you up with everything you need to know right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to help keep us going. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. Stop by bradblog.com slash donate today. And thanks. Yeah, it's it's as if the people who uh, pretend to care about freedom, to give a damn about freedom, don't actually care about freedom, don't actually give a damn about freedom. Uh, and then they uh, say, well, it's uh, religious freedom, religious freedom. That's what we care about, that type of freedom. We care about our freedoms, just not everybody else's freedoms. Well, uh, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. A federal judge has blocked a Mississippi law on religious objections to same-sex marriage just moments before it was set to take effect on Friday. This was in the middle of the night that this ruling came down. Uh, the judge ruled it unconstitutionally establishes preferred beliefs and creates unequal treatment for gay people. U.S. District Judge Carlton Reeves wrote that the title, text, and history of the law in Mississippi um, shows that it is, quote, the state's attempt to put LGBT citizens back in their place, unquote. 
That in response to last summer's uh, Supreme Court ruling that legalized gay marriage nationwide. The judge wrote, in physics, every action has its equal and opposite reaction. In politics, every action has its predictable overreaction, which is how he regarded this law. State attorneys are expected to appeal the ruling that came uh, in the middle of the night in response to two lawsuits that were filed weeks ago by gay and straight straight plaintiffs. The law, the Mississippi law, sought to protect three beliefs. (laughs) Uh, Here are the three beliefs that marriage is only between a man and a woman. That sex should only take place in such a marriage and that a person's gender is determined at birth and cannot be altered. That's what we need. We need a law to determine these things, to say that uh, the sex can only take place in a, in a marriage between a man and a woman, that a person's gender is determined at birth, and that cannot be altered in any way, shape, or form, according to the state of Mississippi. Uh, it would. This law would allow clerks to cite religious objections to recuse themselves from issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples, but it would also protect merchants who refuse services to lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender people. It could affect adoptions and foster care, business practices, and school bathroom policies. So it's a hugely wide-ranging policy. I just... I'm always blown away by the so-called big government, uh, anti-big government folks who can't wait to tell you what kind of sex you can have. Yep. The state has uh, put its thumb on the scale to favor some religious beliefs over others, according to Judge Reeves. Uh, He also wrote that it violates the Constitution's equal protection guarantee. Uh, What's interesting here is you had uh, uh, you had uh, churches, you had religious people actually saying that this law violates their religious freedom because they believe otherwise. They don't believe that it's right to treat uh, gay people in this way. They believe you should treat people equally. Yeah. And uh, Judge Reeves wrote that HB uh, 1523 favors Southern Baptists over Unitarian doctrine, Catholic over Episcopalian doctrine, and Orthodox Judaism over Reformed Judaism doctrine, to list just a few examples. Uh, and the uh, the plaintiffs here were delighted. They said that, uh, uh, and this is one of the churches here, uh, Brandy Lynn Magnum Deer, minister of the Joshua Generation Metropolitan Community Church in Hattiesburg. She was one of the plaintiffs uh, who challenged the law, said the passage of this bill signaled to our church and to my wife. That's not she, that's a he. Uh, passage signaled to our church and to my wife and me that our religious beliefs are less worthy of protection than those of others, and that the rights of gay, lesbian, and transgender people are not equal to the rights of others. She said in a statement after the ruling, Mississippi has nonetheless vowed to uh, appeal aggressively this decision that took place uh, in the middle of the night, Uh, More than 100 bills, AP notes, were filled uh, in more than 20 state legislatures across the nation in response to the Supreme Court gay marriage ruling last year, right around this time, according to UCLA law professor uh, who testified before the judge last week. State attorneys argued that the Mississippi law provides reasonable accommodation for people with deeply held religious beliefs that gay marriage is wrong. Well, uh, now a, uh, a federal judge disagrees with those dead enders 
who are still trying to uh, to stop progress. Why? How is it hurting them? Hard to say, but they insist that uh, everybody think exactly as they do, and they are now forcing... Uh, uh, using the force of law to make sure that happens. Thankfully, we have a federal judicial system which has, for now at least, stopped that. Uh, in the meantime, we uh, was it only last week, Desi? Oh, I should say, before the break, and thank you for pointing this out during the break, it's not seven months from now that oh, right, the, election the election will be, right? The general it's election is actually less than four months. Yeah. It's about three and a half months. Oh, man. All right. So anyway, thank you for that correction, Desi Doyen. Just in case you were planning to vote next February or March or whenever seven seven months is. No, it's it's coming right up. Sure enough. Uh, Okay, uh, we were talking only last week. Uh, The House had it was last week, wasn't it? When the when the U.S. House, the Democrats did a a sit in just to have a vote, even a vote that they knew they would lose concerning gun safety legislation. That was just last week uh, in the federal government. And they continue to fight about that in the House now that they are back. Uh, But in the meantime, the uh, states, the uh, laboratories uh, for democracy are moving ahead without the federal government. Governor Governor Jerry Brown. Uh, late last week signed six stringent measures, gun control measures Friday, that will require people to turn in high-capacity magazines and require background checks for ammunition sales. This uh, Brown vetoed five other bills, also passed by Democrats, that would uh, included a requirement to register homemade firearms and report lost or stolen weapons to authorities. He said he vetoed those in part because a uh, an initiative is going to be on the ballot that has been favored by uh, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom uh, that would do some of these things that uh, the governor has now vetoed. He, f- he felt that it would he would leave it up to the people to decide that. But as far as the measures that Brown signed, uh, he signed a measure that will outlaw assault rifles with a feature known as a bullet button, which allows shooters to use a small tool to quickly change magazines. Mandate uh, a bill that will mandate background checks when a gun is loaned to someone other than a close relative of the owner to boost penalties for filing false reports of stolen guns. A measure targeting straw purchasers who buy weapons on behalf of people prohibited from doing so create regulations for ammunition, including requirements that ammo sellers get a license and that uh, they don't have to get one now uh, and that they get a license and that purchases be screened and that would ban possession of magazines capable of holding more than 10 rounds. This would require people, according to this new law, who already own them to turn them into authorities. Well, that would be interesting to see how that gets so, enforced. Well, that's right. And it, it is now uh, been signed into law. I'm sure it will be challenged in court. But speaking of uh, in that last piece, uh, people who want to impose uh, their own sense of freedom onto others. Uh, that's what the argument will be made here, that while we have uh, the freedom to own as many uh, magazines as large as we want, hundreds of rounds if we want, according to the Second Amendment. Well, as it turns out, that is not actually in the Second Amendment, and the government can decide uh, if there is a compelling governmental need to protect the citizens. Uh, The government can do certain things that do take away certain rights. This will be tested in court. That's what the court system is for. That's what the federal court system was for. That's why I'm glad that that uh, federal law in Mississippi uh, 
uh, was looked at by a judge will be heard. And if uh, the state of Mississippi is unhappy about it, they can appeal that decision. They can go all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And the same is true here in California. No doubt uh, the gun activists will challenge uh, these laws signed out here in California. Good. Let's find out. Let's find out what the Constitution allows and what it does not. Sounds good to me. No, it is not an apocalypse. No, I don't believe anybody is, is coming to grab your guns. If your gun, uh, if your magazine is capable of holding uh, 10 rounds or less, I think you'll be able to take on the deer in the forests with those 10 rounds and then switch to a new magazine. I think you can buy as many of these magazines as you want. So it will be tested. It will be tested in a court of law, uh, and and we will find out. Meanwhile, in the U.S. House of Re that's what the system is for. That's how it works. Meanwhile, back here uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives, they did reconvene on Tuesday following the extra-long July 4th recess. That was extra-long because uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan adjourned a day earlier than planned due to the Democratic sit-in that occurred that I mentioned, led by civil rights icon and Georgia Congressman John Lewis, demanding a vote on two gun safety measures related to closing the background check loopholes for online and gun show purchases. Uh, and uh, another measure, measure related to preventing those on the FBI terror watch list and the no-fly list from being able to uh, legally purchase weapons of mass destruction at gun stores. They are still seeking that vote. Paul Ryan has said they will, he will allow one vote for a, for a bill that uh, failed already in the U.S. Senate that would stop people on uh, one of those terror watch lists from uh, buying a gun just for three days, as long as the DOJ was able to prove within three days probable cause that the person is a, a terrorist. Critics of that bill said that three days is not nearly enough. So that fight will continue in the U.S. House. I suspect we'll be talking about that in the days ahead. Until then... Now you're caught up, at least a little bit. More tomorrow, no doubt, uh, for what you missed over the uh, holiday break. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us here at the Bradcast. If you missed any portion of this program today or any others, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com, or you can also leave comments on our program. You can also comment on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog or Drop me email if you'd like to stay anonymous. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.